BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. You're listening to the John Cordray Podcast Show number two. The John Cordray Show, where emotionally healthy living is a way of life. John is a licensed therapist and a national certified counselor, and he will help you learn to feel better so you can live better. You want to know how to improve your life? Get into the green zone. Do you get angry a lot? Do people tell you you have an anger problem? but maybe you don't want to go to some class or take time to see a therapist, then my anger management video course may be just what you need. I designed my anger management video course to walk you step-by-step to learn how to control your anger. It's exactly what I teach my clients who come to see me in my office, but for a fraction of the cost. Find out more at keepcalmacademy.com. That's keepcalmacademy.com, or you can visit my website at johncordray.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to my show. My name is John Cordray, and you are in the green zone. All right, well, today is my second uh, podcast, and I thought it would would be uh, fun to talk a little bit about how I got started as a therapist and kind of the backstory. Uh, I have people all the time asking me how I got started, uh, and so I thought it would be a lot of fun to use this time to talk about kind of my background because I I really do encourage people uh, who I work with and, and the clients uh, to really talk about or to create a, a timeline of their life. We all have a story to tell and uh, a very interesting story. So let's do a timeline. And so if I'm going to tell other people to make a timeline, then I need to make a timeline. So that's what I'm doing today. So today's podcast is my timeline on how I became a therapist. And actually, I'm very excited to talk about it because it is quite the journey. Uh, it didn't happen overnight. In fact, I didn't, um, I didn't start out wanting to be a counselor. And I th- think actually, probably if you were to talk to most therapists uh, when they were a teenager, they probably, in fact, one of the last things they would say uh, if you were to ask them what they would want to do when they grow up would be to say a therapist. And I was one of those. I uh, never really knew anything about a counselor, actually, when I was a teenager. 
And if you heard my first podcast, I talked about my passion in uh, my later years of high school and into college. I really wanted to be rich and famous. I wanted to follow in David Letterman's footsteps. I went to his alma mater to Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana, graduated with radio and TV production. Uh, I had my hopes and dreams. I even volunteered as a radio DJ uh, at the college university. So when I, my, my dream was to graduate and then become rich and famous. Uh, but that didn't happen, uh, rich or famous. And that's okay. Uh, because, uh, I am so glad I, I can't imagine doing anything else than what I'm doing now is helping people. Uh, so that's, uh, that's, that's my story in a nutshell, but I want to, I want to go back. I want to go take you back, um, before I graduated from high school, and uh, I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but it was the summer of 1987. I was a junior in high school, and at the time, uh, I was very involved in my youth group at my church, and my pastor, probably I would say, was my first mentor. Uh, I really looked up to him. He was a great guy. Uh, He was a pastor of a large church, but yet he took the time to um, help out at the youth group. And so he, um, he, his story, he grew up as a, as a, uh, orphan and in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And this particular summer we decided, or he decided actually, uh, to take a trip, to take the youth group to Hershey, Pennsylvania, and then wrap around and go up to Washington, DC and tour the white house. Um, and so that's what we did, and I loved it. Hershey, I'd never been there before, and when we arrived, as you pull up to, if you've ever been to, to Hershey, Pennsylvania, uh, that's where they make Hershey chocolate bars, uh, it smells like chocolate. In some cities, you can smell an odor, uh, but in Hershey, Pennsylvania, it smells like chocolate, and you'll see little chocolate kisses on the light fixtures. I, I think they're still there. But I remembered pulling into Hershey, Pennsylvania and just kind of looking around and it really felt like I was in, um, I was in, uh, Willy Wonka. Uh, it was really pretty cool. Uh, as a teenager, I thought it was pretty cool as well. Uh, but that really wasn't the, the only reason why we were at Hershey, uh, although we did tour the factory and saw how all the chocolate was made. But the highlight, uh, the, the, the point that really made Probably the first impact of my life as a counselor, although I was never thinking about it at the time, was during this visit to this orphanage, uh, and it, it was called the Milton Hershey School for Orphan Boys uh, in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and that's where my pastor grew up, and we went, and I'd never been to an orphanage, and I was just struck um, to see the, the boys there. Uh, and I really wanted to play with them. I put them on my shoulder and walk with them, and laugh with them, play catch with them, and uh, got to really get to know them. And I remember very, very distinctly that one of the other chaperones uh, that was there uh, that went with us in our group came up to me and said that I would make a great counselor someday. And that shocked me. You know, here I was a teenager, I was probably about 17 at the time, 
and never even considered it wasn't even a thought in my mind to be a therapist and here was a chaperone walking up to me and said i think you're going to be a great counselor someday and it blew me away i i don't know to this day i don't know why the chaperone told me this maybe it was how i played with the kids or maybe the fact that i took time to sit down and listen to the kids tell me their stories but I'm not really sure why this chaperone said that to me, but it did make an impact. It made a big impact. Uh, and all those the years later, I actually became that counselor. So that was uh, that was the first time part of my timeline is 1987. Fast forward a little bit, uh, graduate high school. Uh, again, at this time, I wanted to be rich and famous. Went to college. And then in 1991, so this other time, other year on my timeline, 1991, uh, I got involved in a, in a church, a little, a very little church, uh, to be the a youth director. And so I really had this uh, desire to help kids, you know, that, that was always there. So uh, I really started to volunteer, uh, actually wasn't volunteering here at this church. I was actually paid. Uh, I got paid to come on once for about an hour on a Sunday, and that was it, to have youth group, and to have these kids, uh, these teenagers uh, come. And I remember very specifically there were exactly 13 kids, and all 13 kids came just about every day or every Sunday. And there were 12 girls and one boy. And some of the, probably most of the girls were related that were sisters or or something. And, and uh, this one boy, <laughs> it was, uh, it was qu- quite the, the time, um, uh, really loved it. Uh, loved being able to teach the, the kids and, and they seemed to be receptive of that. Uh, I was brand new to youth ministry, didn't know what I was doing. Uh, but as you can imagine, uh, this one boy, uh, his name was Phil. Phil, if you're listening to this, Hey, what's up? Uh, but Phil was more open to spending more time with me than the other girls, and that kind of worked out that way. And so um, I just met with Phil over the years, and I, found I was at probably at that church as a youth director for about three years. And um, Phil then, when he graduated from uh, high school, he went on to be uh, studied in a pastorate. And I thought that was pretty cool. So that was probably the first time I really felt like I made I made an impact on somebody else. Uh, so that was in 1991, my first youth director job. Uh, volunteered in various youth ministry throughout my college days. Uh, loved it. Uh, still thinking, though, that I was going to be rich and famous. I would help kids on the side, but my main job was going to be either in radio or TV. And then uh, in 1994, so again, fast forward a little bit on my timeline, uh, big year for me. Uh, I graduated from college. I, a year before, I uh, met my future wife. We got married in 1994. In fact, about two weeks after we graduated from college, we got married. Uh, and then I became the full-time city director for... A ministry at the time was called Student Venture. It was a high school ministry of Campus Crusade. I think it's called a different name now. Uh, but I was uh, I became the city director uh, for Student Venture. 
and um, it, it, that was really an awesome privilege as well. Uh, I had I was in charge of groups that would go around to different uh, schools and middle school and uh, high schools and start little Bible clubs uh, after school. And I was in charge of the board of directors. I was in charge of the groups. And I was in charge of raising money. Uh, but it was a pretty amazing time uh, for me. Uh, but again, I had to, uh, probably the hardest thing was to raise support. Uh, just like missionaries do, um, I had to go around and, and spend a lot of my time talking to people about the ministry and and why they should support me financially and that was a very humbling experience very very neat experience uh but at times very humbling and and it was scary at times uh making cold calls to people I didn't know and talking to them on the phone and then asking to meet with them and then asking for money uh, that that was tough but I had a vision I had a I had a purpose and that was I really wanted to uh, minister to as many youth as I could, and this was the best way that I knew how, uh, was to be the director of this ministry uh, in the city that I was at. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, this is Ross, the host of Smells Like Humans. Each week, We talk about the curious things that people do. This show is for you when you're in the mood for unscripted, lighthearted conversation, personal stories, and just a smattering of psychology and information you can use. I promise we will make your day pass a little faster and put a smile on your face. Sometimes silly, sometimes serious, but always fun. Please join us because no matter who you are, we all smell like human. Please follow the link in the show notes. Fast forward some more on the timeline, 1999. Uh, so I was at the director for about five years. Uh, 1999, I uh, took my first full-time youth director job. Uh, so in 91, I had my first youth directing job, but it was very part-time, got paid once a week on Sundays. But this was my very first time working in a church full-time as a youth director. And uh, so this uh, upped the ante a little bit. I had about 80 or so uh, teenagers coming. Great time. Really ministered to and got to know the youth and their families. Uh, One of the things that really struck me during this time, because I was full-time, I could spend more time with the kids. And and I was more accessible. And so I have kids coming over to my house. We would call. We would go out for a Coke or, or just talk uh, after youth group or whatnot. Uh, but a lot of kids uh, during this time uh, told me their stories. I sat down, listened. And even though they, they would come, a lot of them from very good homes, they still struggled. And as they shared more and more of their struggles with me, I realized I was not equipped. I didn't know what to say, didn't know what to do. Uh, and so uh, I just listened. I, I shared, and I, and I was built a relationship with them, but I really didn't know what else to do. Uh, and so after about three years, 
I really decided that I wanted to learn more. I wanted to be equipped. And so uh, in 2002, my family, uh, at the time I had, uh, I was married and had two children, very young children, um, my wife Julie and my daughter Anna, and then my son Noah, uh, we all moved to St. Louis in 2002. We moved from a little town in the Midwest in Muncie, Indiana. We moved from there to a bigger town in the Midwest to St. Louis. And uh, even though St. Louis is not as big as Chicago or New York or L.A., it was, to us, huge. It was a huge transition. And so we moved to the seminary, and uh, we actually got to live right on campus. And in fact, you, my kids to this day talk about their most fondest memories as growing up is on the campus at the seminary. So I'm going to seminary and and, uh, probably one of the hardest times of my life, both um, uh, emotionally uh, as well as intellectually. Um, I had this first day, first class of seminary was beginning Greek. Uh, Up to this point, I didn't even have Spanish, Uh, no language at all in high school or college. Uh, So this is a very first experience. Kind of wanted, I really wondered why we moved there after that day. Uh, But we stayed. It was not easy. Uh, We made it. And then uh, after a few years in the seminary, I realized that uh, I wasn't quite getting the training that I was looking for. Yes, I was getting theological training, but not the training that I really wanted to learn to help other, other people who are struggling. And so I made a little shift. I left seminary, stayed in St. Louis, went to an, another university, and I majored in, or I mastered, got my master's in counseling, professional counseling. Uh, this was my niche. This was it. So I, I, at first, I didn't know what I was, I, I wanted to help people, but no, didn't know where to go. Thought it was seminary, wasn't seminary. And then I, I realized that my niche was to be a therapist. That's what I wanted to do. So I went to, uh, to night class and got my master's, worked full-time during the day, and then went to class uh, in the evening, got home late at night, got up the next day, went back to work full-time, and studied, studied, studied. And I know a lot of, a lot of my listeners know exactly what that's like. You do what you need to do uh, to get your degree. And that's what I did. Uh, I went to uh, and, and, and got my master's in counseling, and then another major milestone uh, in 2005, I uh, graduated, got my degree, and I began to uh, do counseling. So my first year of counseling was in 2005. Uh, two years later, 2007, was when I first got my actual license. That's the the golden grail of uh, counseling is to get the license because that uh, allows you to uh, to be more marketable, but also you can do counseling on your own. Start your private practice. Uh, it just frees you up. Uh, you can counsel anywhere within the state. And for me, it was, uh, I'm licensed in Missouri. So I am, uh, I'm able to li- uh, do counseling 
anywhere in the state of Missouri, uh, including online counseling, which I, I have that ability. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you, you live in Missouri, but you don't live very close to St. Louis, go to my website at johncordray.com and you'll find uh, a link where you can sign up for online counseling, which is uh, either video uh, or um, I can do uh, chat as well or, or even phone. So, and it's all HIPAA compliant, so it's all safe. So, I got my license in, in 2007, very excited. And uh, um, I was really looking forward to. Um, to starting my, my career, finally. So all the way back into 1989 when I was a junior in high school, thought I was going to become rich and famous in college, got involved in youth ministry, went to seminary, and then in 2007 finally got my license to start practicing on my own as a therapist. Uh, so that's kind of my timeline. Um, actually uh, started my my own private practice on my own was in 2009. And um, so uh, very excited to be able to do that. I didn't know what I was doing, but I know uh, or I knew that at the time I wanted to be um, in my own practice. And there is so many uh, awesome things about being in a private practice, but there's also some hard things about it. And uh, I, I will be talking more about that later for those of you who are interested in, in perhaps uh, starting a private practice, whether it's counseling or chiropractic or insurance or a doctor or a dentist. It, it's kind of all the same, uh, the same things as far as all the steps to become, uh, to get your private practice going. Be glad to, to talk with you about that. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll, probably do a podcast about that sometime. Um, so in 2009, I started private practice. Uh, then uh, didn't, it was a lot tougher, a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and then I thought, you know what, I don't think I can do this. So in 2010, I joined a Christian counseling center in St. Louis. So I was a part of other like-minded colleagues. It was great. I enjoyed it. Uh, there's pros and cons to that as well. Um, but then uh, later on, the counseling center closed. And then that forced me to go back in 2011 to kind of regroup, if you will, and relaunch my private practice in 2011. And I've been doing it since. Love it. I've learned a lot. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, but more important, the most important thing to me as I look back on my timeline as a counselor, I'm just humbled at how many or how often I was able to help people. Uh, I'm currently in my practice right now. I see clients uh, every week. They come to me uh, in my office in St. Louis, and and I am just humbled every single time that people would come, bear their soul, quite literally, people who tell me things that they would never tell anybody and they would trust me and, and to listen. And, and, and so that is very, very humbling that I can help them go through their struggles. 
And I, I really look at myself as more of a coach um, than a advice person. I'm not a Dr. Phil, um, but I, I think a, a good therapist is somebody who's going to listen to their clients, offer some practical steps that they can work on their own, not tell them what they should or shouldn't do. You know, my theory is, uh, you know, that, that um, saying that you can, you can take a, um, I don't even know how it goes. You can take a horse to, you can, you can water a horse or you can show them where the watering hole is and they can get their own drink when they need it. That's kind of my uh, philosophy, if you will, with counseling. I want to help people give them the tools that they need to work on their own issues not come to me and ask me what they need to do. I'm not going to tell them you should do this or you shouldn't do this, but I will give you the tools. I'll give you your options. And I want you to start developing your own, you know, your own plan of, of getting better. Uh, so that's, that's kind of my timeline. And I am just pumped. I am so excited to be able to be on this podcast. Uh, I said earlier, this is my second one. Um, I'm still learning how to do this, uh, even though I, I have a degree in, in radio and TV. Uh, this, this is a whole new world. Everything's completely different now, uh, all these years later. Uh, but I love it. It's great. And um, my hope, my hope is that I will eventually uh, find some people who are interested in being interviewed. I want to interview other therapists, uh, what their specific uh, uh, specialty is. I would like to talk to maybe doctors, um, perhaps chiropractors and, and, and lawyers, anyone that's, that could be helpful, uh, helping people get into that green zone. So the green zone, uh, if you listen to my first podcast, I talked about the, the, the different, what I call cognitive zones, the red zone, the blue zone, and the green zone, the red zone, is that anger and hostility, uh, the stress is that red zone. The blue zone is kind of the anxiety, depression, fear. Uh, and then the green zone is the happiness, uh, peacefulness. It's, um, you know, the, the calm feeling. Um, so my goal is to get people to be in the green zone. That's why this show is called In the Green Zone. So people that I bring on to the show I want them to kind of teach you uh, some different ways of getting into the green zone. So it could be about depression or anxiety. It could be about what you eat. Uh, certain foods can make you happy or not happy. It could be exercising. It could be learning what to do um, legally uh, if you're going through a divorce or some other legal thing. Uh, everything that we do involves being in the green zone or one of the three zones, red or blue, blue or green. But my goal is to get you into the green. Um, so uh, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to my show. And and uh, I hope you'll come back. Um, now you know kind of how I got involved, my timeline uh, as a counselor, as a therapist. And, you know, just thinking back, uh, it's just been an amazing journey. And I know my journey is not over. I mean, who knows what next week, next year, five years from now is going to hold. 
I mean, quite literally, I had no idea this time last year that I would be doing a podcast show or that I would have my own online uh, website. Uh, So it's been a ride. I'm really excited about it. And I want to help as many people as I can. So hopefully, if you're listening to this, uh, I hope you'll get some inspiration, that you'll get some help, that you'll be encouraged to live in the green zone. So that's what I want uh, for you. That's my desire. And if you want, I would love to have you follow me on Twitter or subscribe to my show. Uh, Please go to my website uh, to check out more. I I also post different articles. Uh, I've been on the Huffington Post a couple of times and on radio, local radio, and TV. So I, I my goal is, is to help as many people as I can. So I appreciate you, and I want to encourage you to keep moving forward and, and live life. Life is worth living. And I know at times it could be hard, especially if you're in the red zone or the blue zone. Life can be very, very difficult. But I want to encourage you. It is possible to get back into the green zone, and that's what I want. So uh, it's time for me to sign off. Thank you. Again, I appreciate you, and we'll catch you later. Bye-bye. You have been listening to the John Cordray Podcast Show. Until next time, stay in the green zone. Do you get angry a lot? Do people tell you you have an anger problem, but maybe you don't want to go to some class or take time to see a therapist? then my anger management video course may be just what you need. I designed my anger management video course to walk you step-by-step to learn how to control your anger. It's exactly what I teach my clients who come to see me in my office, but for a fraction of a cost. Find out more at keepcalmacademy.com. That's keepcalmacademy.com, or you can visit my website at johncordray.com.